0: I seek to bring joy to the people that I encounter from a business perspective, certainly. I I feel that my business has become my life in a very positive way because it's allowed me to have community with other women, not just my age, but who are older, who are younger, from all different walks of life. And it's allowed me to have engagement with them in ways that otherwise would not manifest.
1: This is not your mother's middle age. No longer is waking up each day, living the wash, rinse and repeat cycle acceptable. We have the life lessons, the relationships, the wins and the losses with which to navigate to our highest self without hesitation, And without fear leading the way. We have been there and done that, and so we have so much to offer the world and each other. So join me on this journey speaking to ordinary women doing extraordinary things for new insights, new ideas, new medical breakthroughs, and new life lessons. You will be inspired to find your best life here and now. My name is Wendy Charles McGuire, and this is your Second Wind Podcast. Well, today we have Kim Cullen with us of Beautiful Chaos Jewelry. Welcome to Second Wind, Kim. I'm so excited to have you here.
0: Well, thank you so much, Wendy. I've been looking forward to this and and it's been such a great time having conversations with you. So, so this is this is going to be fun.
1: Well, thank you. Yeah, it's it's that's the best part of this whole podcast is I feel like I have all these new friends now <laughs> because I know their stories. Well, it's really fun. fun. <laughs> fun They're yeah really good. all right so let's start off because you have a very famous saying and I think that that will sum up the direction of this conversation and that that famous saying that you use is I am the sum
0: total share that with us sure yeah so I I truly believe that I am a messed up box of tricks like a lot of people and that is I have had seasons of darkness and I've had periods of great joy in my life and I always just say that I'm a sum total of where I've been so whether it's good or bad where I'm at today could not be possible without going through the the valleys and the and the peaks
1: yeah i think that's true for everyone and and to to bring that to the forefront i think is really important we all have to remember the journey is the point? Exactly, exactly. And we're never done with the journey. I hope not. I don't think. Yeah, <laughs> and that's the whole point of second wind as well. So let's start from the beginning, girl. You were in pharmaceutical sales. Where do you want to start? You've you've so uh, much to I uncover here to unpack.
0: I guess um, you know from the very early stages of my life, it was always I looked at the world through. Uh, prisms of color and design and my Mm -hmm. dad I grew up on the beach so I was a little beach rat and um, I started out making like little shell animals and um, I was a surfer so I had a renegade spirit that was kind of passed down by my father so the Stevie Nicks gypsy part of me is was born in probably before Stevie became Stevie but I didn't even
1: know
0: any of that okay probably like a Kimmy Nicks but uh, In any event, um, uh, I went through life with with creativity seeping out of my pores. And whenever I was uh, challenged, I would definitely come into any situation with an air of production or creativity or a, a nice mixed blender of both. And so after college, I had majored in film production. I moved out to L.A. where I was a casting director for Fox for about five years and, um, there's a whole nother backstory to that, but I knew where I wanted to be and it wasn't in front of the camera as it was behind the camera. Cause when I studied film, it was just, again, so much there. And the, the lights action and camera part of putting things together and coming out with a really cool end product being a movie, uh, was very compelling to me. So I did that for the first five years of my adult Uh, decade in my 20s and Mm -hmm. um, moved back to Florida and got into pharmaceuticals um, in a quirky way. But when I got into pharmaceuticals, I liked it there. It was very safe. It was stable. And um, it paid the bills really well. So I stayed there for the better part of 23 years.
1: 23 years and you're in sales. And I know you have to be creative to be good at sales.
0: Yes. And I was trained really well. So the, the training in pharmaceuticals was robust. And I went from sales to management to uh, marketing. And most of them were outside based uh, sales positions and management positions, but it allowed me tons of autonomy and flexibility. And so okay. I was able to use my creativity and approach in most of those situations because it allowed for that type of flexing. Um, okay. but it was the last, it was the last portion of that career where I was in house and I was in charge of marketing for a, a managed markets position in a CNS division. Not that that's probably too much information, but and and I really was not thriving primarily because I was the caged bird, and I didn't like it. And so I would sneak out at lunchtime, um, and I literally s- snuck out. I, I used to have a fake purse and a fake set of car keys, and I would leave them at my desk <laughs> because. Our entire company was run through Outlook and everybody was in a meeting. And if you weren't in a meeting, they would look for you. And if your purse was there, they'd know that you were still in the building. So I had a fake purse and fake car keys and I left them there. And then I would slide out the back side of the building down the fire escape, get in my my car and skulk off campus and go take metalsmithing classes and wiring classes. And I did that for the better part of a year. And uh, yeah, it was pretty funny. Wow. But I, I feel
1: like... You're doing these classes. Why are you doing these classes?
0: Um, I think for a period of time, I felt like I had just hit a wall. I was tired of playing the reindeer games that goes along with corporate America. And I knew that I didn't have a, a horizon that I wanted to cross with pharmaceuticals. I was done climbing the ladder. I thought it was kind of all ridiculous for me. Not for other people, but for me, I had hit ridiculousness, and I just—I well, knew I had to do it because I had five kids, I had to put them through school, and I just—I was a sole provider, and so I was like, you know what? Got to pay the bill. So um, I did it. I walked the walk, talked the talk, did the deal, um, and I could do it with my eyes closed because I'd done it for so many years. But I, when I found the joy in making jewelry, never in a million years did I think it would become a career or a second wind, so to speak. Right. But but it did. And, and it, it became uh, more prosperous and much more joyful than anything else I've ever done.
1: So let's let's go back and unpack that a little bit. How did okay. you even come upon? You, you know, you you're saying that. You told me about when that light bulb went off, that that jewelry was really your thing and creating was your thing. And it was with a trip you took, Uh
0: Mm -hmm. To Rosemary Beach. Rosemary Beach. Yeah, so I was- Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, I was with my best friend and we. she had a home in Rosemary and we were hanging out at this place right in front of our condo and Rosemary's a really upscale community. So we were hanging out and uh, she had been my boss and she was just a really, you know, high performing person. And so we were in this, I say that because there's context there, but we went into this little boutique and there was a lady doing a trunk show and she was selling- stretch bracelets that were pretty but they were $60 a piece and she was selling them off the like off the charts and my friend bought like I don't know six of them and I was like wait a minute and we went upstairs because the lady was staying in a condo above the boutique and my friend wanted something added to her bracelet so when we went upstairs the lady who made them I guess I should call her a designer um and she does make beautiful things and so she I, I was able to visually see her production and her setup her setup and it yeah lights came on and in my mind was ablaze with wait a minute wait a minute mayday you know we have got an opportunity because my brain just knew like whatever she was doing I knew
1: I could how long ago
0: was that 2013 I think oh so not that long ago no and I just we left there and I went back to my friend's house, and we sat there and drank wine, and I was a Google madman. I mean, I Googled and Googled and broke down the pricing and costs of goods and whatnot, whatnot, and just looked at my friend and was like, this is not rocket science. And next thing you know, we're at a gym show the following weekend. So we went to a gym show, and I spent maybe $100. She spent 5000 <laughs> But I was in the, let's put my toe in the water. And she was like, all in. And I put my toe in the water. And then I had more flexibility than she did. Um, and it innately came to me. Um, but when I got started during the lunchtime gigs and taking lessons and stuff, I was making things and I was making them at, at warp speed. My one son that was still home uh, was taking bracelets and selling them to the high school girls. And I would give him like a 30% cut. And I was, I was kind of, it was like my litmus test, you know, and and the girls were buying them like crazy. And I was like, dang, man. And when I started going to go work, I knew that it was against policy for me to sell stuff at work, but I was like the guy in the trench coat where <laughs> I had, I had my wares and I was rolling them in in a briefcase and I would create outlook meetings with like 10 to 20 women in the remote areas of the building and block out a conference room. I'd take flip chart paper and put it up in the glass parts of the conference room. Cause it was like a beehive. Oh my gosh. And, and man, at 12 o'clock, man, I'd roll out my goods. I'd had my square card reader that I learned about and I would, I would sell like a mad woman for 30 minutes. And then it was be like, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. In a good way. And um, I was like, dang, I'm onto something. And then I had ladies in the building coming to find me to see if I bought anything new so I was I was making a killing just selling to the people at work and so I was like you know what this is giving me the market research that I need Mm -hmm. people were liking what I was doing and so I would spend more lunch hours learning but I also would spend lunch hours in our corporate lounge, just mapping out farmer's markets and opportunities to get my feet wet in the show space.
1: How, where does this, you told me about a dream. So where the first dream part of this, cause that's, that's a really amazing story and I really think our listeners need to hear that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a big part of, of who I am now, because when I first started doing the jewelry thing, um, I can I can tell you that I, I happen to be on the board of a homeowners association, which is not something I would normally do. I had a friend that lived down the street and I live in a golf course community and and I am anti-disestablishmentarianism from the very beginning. So this man called me and he goes, Kim, I need your vote on the board and I I want you to run for for our homeowner association. I was like, you know, you got a better chance of winning the lottery. <laughs> but he talked me into it by telling me he'd serve margaritas and, you know, the bells and whistles. And I was like, he goes, all you got to do is come down the street. So I say that because it all dovetailed during a time where um, I had started making jewelry. So I thought, "Why well, I have to come up with a company name. So I brought up, you know, I formed a company name. And in the first, the first, two, maybe two years of my business, I was named Pangea. And don't even ask me because it's some weird, weird spelling. And, and it came out of, you know, just really not much thought, but um, I've had to live with it since because it became my corporate name. But at the same time, I formed a nonprofit and that came out of a desire to help women who were victims of sex trafficking and women. I mean, girls, young girls. And um, so I was on the homeowners board, the board of the Homeowner Association. And a man came up to me at the board and, and I said, hey, you're our attorney for our Homeowner Association and I'd like to form a company. Could you possibly help me? And he said, sure. And so he helped me with the, with the corporation stuff because it was not my wheelhouse. But, he, but he, was a, he was a lawyer and his business was, actually. Well, what was crazy was when I told him, I called him from the stairwell of my company on a separate occasion during the same week and said, Hey, by the way, Randall, um, I also want to form a nonprofit. And it's a stretch because I know that getting a 501c3 is very difficult, but I don't want to do a nonprofit without having it being tax deductible. Um, but I want to go into safe houses and teach girls who are young victims of sex trafficking. And I want to teach them how to make jewelry. And, and I said, I don't know how to go about doing that, but I, I had already started, you know, talking with um, organizations like Wellspring Living who I ended up working for. Um, And I, I said, I I just want it to be legit so I can raise funds in order to create, you know, get the resources to do this with the girls. And he said, Kim, he said, the hair on my back is standing up. He goes, I can help you. He goes, but do you know what I do for a living? I said, no, Randall, I don't know. I know you're an attorney. He goes, I am the lead counsel for the division of, of, um, Homeland Security's division of human trafficking. And I was like, what, what, (laughs) what? And I felt almost like, you know, God had just kind of looked down on me. And I, and I've told you in our previous conversations where I was, I was definitely raised to be a Jesus follower, but I'm a mess in a dress and a whole lot of 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 rebelliousness is in me and and so I kind of felt like I was being shown grace because mm-hmm. things were lining up and not that they hadn't lined up for me because they had in my life I had had lots of really really cool moments where you know I don't know if I can t- attribute it to luck or being in the right place at the right time or or what but this was one of those serendipitous times that I felt like it was just too uncanny. And I thought God was throwing me breadcrumbs. And so I was like, okay, here I go, here I go. So it, wow. de- I developed a sense of trust that I normally would not have because I was always driving my train. I was always in the driver's seat and I was pushing myself towards destinations. And this was the first time where I actually paused because things were happening and and lines were connecting that I had no responsibility for doing and it taught me a level of of submission that I'd never had known and it was shortly after that that um you know I I, he he formed the 501c3 with for me it's called dark to light and I went in and started teaching girls and stuff but it was it was during the winter or if you can call it winter here but during the December January period of 2015 or 16 that I want to say that I just started feeling a little bit of a void. I, my, my jewelry business had taken off. I had started doing shows. Um, I had left the pharmaceutical industry and ha- I had taken a job at a place called Wellspring Living, um, which was a nonprofit. And I took a job with them part-time so that I could learn how to run my nonprofit. Um, wow. So I was working with the girls in the safe houses all over the place um, and teaching them how to make jewelry and stuff. But during that period of time, I was doing art shows on the weekends and I was kind of finding my footing and realizing, okay, you know, there's a lot to this business. And, um, I had just started praying for some, just something new. I hadn't hit a wall, but I had definitely hit a plateau of going, huh, you know, not is this all there is, but is there more question mark? Mm -hmm. And I prayed about it. I've loved Jesus. And I know that my, my relationship with, with Christ has always been based on unconditional love and very, 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 uh, away from legalistic thou shalt not, thou shalt not. I'm not a big fan of that. So, um, Mm -hmm. my, 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 my God was, was very gracious. And I, I went to bed one night, had a dream. And in the middle of my dream, uh, I was given the blueprint for what is now called beautiful chaos. And, um, there's a lot of, I don't say a lot of, but there's engineering in that dream of how to make things be worn multiple ways. And if you've seen my line, you can understand it because I have people ask me all the time, like, how did you ever come up with this concept? And it wasn't until later that I realized that God gave me the concept. I woke up at two in the morning. I have it written down in a journal somewhere. And I went downstairs and I just started making this, this system. And it's it, it's based on pulleys and extenders and things that, that can be channeled. So similar to maybe Legos or or that that there's like a tinker toy set. Yeah. Uh, things you you were just planted in my head. Things were planted in my head that when put together, things can change. And so I was blown away. I was like, This was a really good night. And I woke up the <laughs> day. I woke up the next day and I was like onto something. It was like the lights came on and man, I was supercharged. And so then the, the alpha in me was like, ah, these, this is using a lot of things that are grungy and a lot of found objects and a lot of beautiful crystals and prisms and things that I had not done before. And so I started thinking of, of competing variables, things that were, uh, opposites. And so I started thinking, well, you know, I'm I'm using harsh and beautiful at the same time. So I came up with a name called the Iron Petal Collection. And I started graphing out, you know, some pictures and logo ideas and things like that. And I felt like I was like pushing. I was pushing the idea. And it was maybe maybe a week or so later in the middle of the night, not a dream, but just a resounding beautiful chaos. And it was literally breathed into my brain and I literally woke up and I was like, what? And I'm telling you from my lips to God's ears, literally, I'm not the type that is, is charismatic or falls on the floor. And I believe in all that, but I, I'm not the type that he would talk to like that. And he did. I heard it, beautiful chaos. And so wow. I woke up, wrote it down. I wrote it down. And I was like, there's nobody here except my cats to witness this, but I wrote it down. And I mean, I've had, I haven't had many, but the encounters I've had like that are super, super, super supernaturally crazy great. Wow. And, and that was the birth. So now I realize that it was God breathed for me. And I literally called a trademark attorney the next day, a friend of mine gave me his name. He was out of Waterdale and I called him and I said, Hey, I got a name that we need to do a search on. And he's like, it'll be a lot of money. I was like, dang. And... (laughs) And, yeah. And, and so I said, if anybody has this name, God gave it to me. It's my name. It beautiful. <laughs> I said, if anybody has it, we have to kill him. <laughs> and this guy was a really strong believer. And he was like, well, that's a lot for me to take on. And I was like, tell me, just tell me, just tell me because I can't have it. And so it was really interesting. But I found as I, as I started, following his direction and and creating uh, the line with beautiful chaos, which continues to just give fruit for me and, and for others, because my whole intent was for women to feel beautiful, not just on the outside, but on the inside. Mm -hmm. And I know it sounds corny, like, Oh, you know, like that were really Hallmark cards, but it really was my intention. And, um, I literally had women come up to me in my booth, which is what it's called, a booth at art shows, because that's my channel of distribution. And they would say, thank you for making my wife feel beautiful. Um, and I have very distinct examples where a woman lost her, her her daughter, a young daughter, and she was a mess. And she was in my booth crying and, and I was like, oh, my gosh, and I was moved to, 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 to you know, put on some beautiful things for her. And she, I said, this is your money's no good here. Go, you know, time to go. And she was like, wow, you know, thank you so much. But what, what more than anything it showed me is that my journey is nutty at best, but instead of me chasing after God, God chased after me and he pursued me on my terms. And I say that because I am, I am kind of, I color outside the lines. I'm not a soccer mom. I'm not a scrapbooker. I'm not the type that would go to Bunko. I am just a little bit of a rebel. And um, he, I guess, really had purpose for me. And I'm certainly glad because he found me and decided, okay, fine. I'm going to roll up my sleeves. I'm going to meet you, Kim. I'm going to give you something that's undeniable. And you're going to have to talk about it. Even though you don't want to, you're going to have to. So I do find that it's my testimony. So when people come into my booth and they go, oh, my gosh, beautiful chaos. That's the story of my life. And I sit there and just chuckle because he gave me the name because he knew that people would relate to it. And people, if it's not 100 times a day, beautiful chaos. Oh, my gosh. And then I hear this little inner whisper from God saying, ask them. And I'm like, no. (laughs) I hear him say, come on. I gave it to you. Ask them. And so I go, okay, all right, bye. And so I will say, how does it relate to you? And I've heard everything from menopause, divorce, you know, loss of children, children moving out of home, empty nesters, you name it, you know, being alone, being old, having cancers, losing kids. I've heard it all. And it's all been a way for me to share, you know, how my journey intersects with theirs or theirs intersects not at all with mine, but they, it gives them a chance to, to relate and a need to speak. And I'm not saying that I have any answers, but I have found that it's God's way of using what he gave me, um, to connect with other people. And it's given me a chance to feel validated and beautiful and purposeful during a season, which could easily have turned out to be just like one big old lonely spinster uh in my 50s and I don't feel that at all I feel so so blessed and it's also been a chance for um for me to to learn and to constantly lean in because it's taught me that I don't have to drive I can be in the passenger seat just fine because what he has had in store for me it far 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 outweighs the ideas that I had it really does Wow. Kim,
1: that was so well said. That's amazing. That's a really, I I hate that word, but I can't come up with another word unless you have one that, that kind of embodies that whole thing. You were
0: open to hearing though, you could have said no. Why do you think you said yes? Um, I said yes, because I think, um, in living the way that I had been used to living, um, my pride and my arrogance, um, had led me down some tricky paths, whether it was relationships with people that I should not have been relating with <laughs> or, <laughs> or making decisions that were headstrong and and body and bold and brash. And I think the expiration date on some of those behaviors had worn out. And I think I was ready to allow for some something new because, you know, that old saying about the definition of insanity is if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. And there was something like Mm -hmm. that, but I was looking for something different. I was looking for different results. And if it was always me making the, you know, making the path, then perhaps I was going to end up at the same destination. And, and I think that by just, I didn't have, I, I know that I was at a place in my life for sure based on my decisions I had hit a wall. And so I was obviously open to somebody else helping lead me because my wall was pretty solid.
1: And what did that look like? What did that feel like for you that made you actually make that decision
0: that something's got to change? I was in a relationship for about two and a half years with somebody who um, I didn't realize was basically unattainable. I mean, I was I was madly and passionately in love and I could say it was the love of my life. And so I'm thankful to have had those experiences and felt that way. And no, it was not my marriage. This was after I got divorced. But um, when he dumped me, it was uh, my life came crashing in because I had allowed myself to become so engrossed and meshed, addicted to you name it with this person that um, I was I, w- I couldn't have been any lower in my life. I was, I was depressed, clinically depressed, which was God's way of, of showing me what that looks like. And thank you very much. I'd like to not see that again. Yeah. Um, I had anxiety. I had a lot of stuff that I had heard about, but I'd never experienced. And I'm thankful for it now because when I hear people talk about it, I visually and emotionally know what that looks like, feels like. You know, yes. um, so- and it allows for empathy, which, which is something that, you know, I am definitely open to sharpening. Um, so it, it was, it was, like I said, it was a necessary part of my journey. And I think because of that, I was open because I had been humbled. I had been severely humbled uh, in a good, bad way by this end of this relationship. And it was God's b- biggest biggest gift to pull me out of that relationship. And and many times while I was in that toxic relationship, I heard God whispering to me like, hey there, like, uh, this is not what I'm thinking for you. And Mm. I'd be like, da-da-da-da-da, like fingers in my ear, just humming. Like, I'm not listening to you, God. And many, many points, like many turning points in that relationship where I was in the middle of doing stuff that I knew I shouldn't have been doing. I'd hear God going, hey, you, Kim, love you, love you. I'm waiting. I'm right here. I'm right here. And I was like, I'm not hearing you right now. Come back later. Wow. And I'm very, very thankful that he didn't leave me high and dry because when the guy did, God didn't.
1: Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. And you actually were, as you said to me, clinically depressed. No, I
0: was. I was. was How did you pull yourself out of that? I listened to every podcast, I prayed, I read, I went to therapists, like probably five or six different therapists, tried about probably six different uh, antidepressants and oh hated them. Didn't? And I actually was, I was, I was somebody who actually sold them at oh, one point. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely um, did the cross comparisons, but I, I found that Honestly, my my relationship with Christ was my saving grace because Andy Stanley, I have to give credit to, because I had an hour and a half drive to work and back every day. And I listened to every Andy Stanley podcast, everything that he ever breathed, I had listened to and Mm -hmm. he made a lot of sense to me. And so I really, it's, it's again, a compilation of things, but it didn't happen overnight. It took me a year and a half to crawl out of it. It did year and a half. It did. It was. It was bad. I was. It was like walking through fire when you couldn't run, even if you wanted to. It was just icky, just painful. Ooh, ick, icky, painful, icky, painful. And if I never feel that,
1: this for what? Why do you think you need to do that?
0: um, I look back at it because it was a necessary part of the fabric that God wove into my life, and and as as awful as it was coming out of it, it was two and a half years of feelings that I had never felt before. Um, it was electricity, it was love, it was passion, it was, you know, a self-awareness and love for my, you know, physical body. I, I loved the way I looked at that period of time. I was on fire, man. And I was definitely, you know, you know, crazy in a good way and in a bad way, mm-hmm. but it was just part of who I am and I wouldn't change it. Because if, if I did, I wouldn't be where I am today. And it made me so much more aware of a lot of things. I learned a lot about myself. You know, I would never have gone to therapy. I didn't need it before all that craziness. And, and I just found out just how mortal I was and, wow. and how, how many gaps in my mind there were. But it was just, it opened me up to a whole lot of, of self-awareness and, and, and situational awareness which is critically important too. Um, but it, it definitely it, it definitely strengthened my my relationship with with Christ. It did can't 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 underscore that enough.
1: So that's a
0: great segue
1: into how your journey has uncovered you as a person. If you had to describe yourself now, what would you say?
0: hmm, I would say that I, seek to bring joy to the people that I encounter from a business perspective, certainly. I I feel that my business has become my life in a very positive way because it's allowed me to have community with other women, not just my age, but who are older, who are younger from all different walks of life. And it's allowed me to have engagement with them in ways that otherwise would not manifest, honestly, because I'm not a seeker outer of, of, you know, the female groups. I'm not. And yet this has forced me to commune with some of the greatest people that I never would have met otherwise. Isn't
1: that amazing? It is,
0: it is. And I would describe myself definitely as spontaneous, uh, open-minded, strong-willed, creative very very sensitive and some of those are all conflicting uh adjectives but it's like i said it's one big huge mosh pit of of uh beautiful chaos beautiful chaos yeah That's
1: that's what it is that's what it is that's what it is tell me this so you've you've and there's a couple of things i want to dive into before we end our session session our conversation <laughs> hey i should be paying you this is the party. <laughs> our conversation um but one of them is do you have any secrets or routines that keep you going to stay positive to keep doing this to keep going on your weekends right you could sit mm-hmm. back and not do right but you continue to do and it's not easy to I mean, just going to a farmer's market. What people have to do to set up a booth, right? It's not easy, um, and it's your it's your Saturday morning, and then on a on a rainy Saturday morning, I bet you six o'clock in the morning comes earlier than you would like. And wouldn't it be nice to stay in bed? But you don't. You get up and you go and you do. What are your secrets to that? What keeps you going?
0: Um, I think the excitement of of evolving. I love the evolution of myself and my brand and my family. Um, I know I haven't mentioned my family, but they bring me the greatest joy. I've got seven kids um, and they are the joy of my life. Um, But the evolution of how life is supposed to be lived from day to day, I do not settle for ordinary. And I know that sounds kind of arrogant, but I strive for extraordinary And it's, it's how I live every day. I do wake up, even if it's just in my house, I wake up with a plan to execute and do something really well. And execution is just what I do. Um, The, also the idea of risk for me, and I've had a chance to talk with a lot of young girls who work for me. Um, I was taught at a very young age by the, again, by the grace of God and by my, my dad and, and mom with the idea that my brain associates risk with reward because I challenged myself at a very young age to take risks with failure being a huge option. And I've had lots of failures, but when I take risks, more often than not reward comes. And so Hmm. my brain, my neurological pathway has been trained because of the reward mechanism associated with taking risks it take I take risks. I seek risks. I love risk. I love taking a chance because more often than not by t- stepping out on the edge, great things happen. And so I am so thankful that, that that is something I've experienced because I I'm almost game for almost anything because I know that if approached with the right perspective reward comes now, there's always, there's always downfalls and there's always things that happen And I do have to look at those. Sometimes I, there's in my world, I don't get accepted into certain shows that I've hoped for and prayed about and come to find out, you know, in the long story of it, I know that there was a reason and I see that reason clearly once I'm on the other side. So I don't need 2020 vision because I already know ahead of time that if I'm not granted my quote wishes from God, as I pray, um, I already know when the answers know that there's a reason. It doesn't always come to me like, oh, well, thank you for that one. Um, but it's usually fairly evident. And if it's not immediate, then I usually re- relent and know that somewhere down the line, I'll understand the why behind it. So you're willing to stand at the edge of that cliff and jump no matter more, what. More than willing.
1: And I'd rather jump than stand. to that. I'd rather
0: jump than stay on a cliff all day long. And that's, that's genuine to you. And that's why it works. No, it is definitely, I mean, I definitely seek change and risk above being stagnant any day of the week.
1: And the next thing I want to find out, because we kind of like glossed over it, but it's, it's a very huge piece of your puzzle is the sex trafficking in the starting of the 501. Yeah. How did that how did you get interested in that? How did that, you know, mine was animals and helping pets, but Mm -hmm. yours was sex sex trafficking. How did that even come into your world? You know, you weren't part of it, right? And you were kind of living in a very surfer friendly beach world. Yeah. How did that come to I was in a
0: surfer friendly beach world and I was raised in, in what I consider a legalistic family. I had like a Brady Bunch lifestyle, but it was legalistic when it came to like you know, I had to go to Christian school and stuff. And so um, t- without getting too Jerry Springer-esque, um, <laughs> you know, for me, I grew up loving Barbies. I played Barbies and and my Barbies would go meet my brother's GI Joes and all that kind of stuff. And I, <laughs> that, I'd set up Barbie villages and whatnot. But I was very innocent in that respect. And, and then when I went to middle school, I was kind of like, okay, you know, I was clicking along. And I didn't have a whole lot of, of awareness of of the opposite sex and sex and all that stuff. And I really felt like when I got to high school, I felt like somebody had ripped the glasses or the blinders off me and threw me into this mosh pit of people who were, you know, going steady, having sex and stuff. And I was like in a freak out zone. I felt like I went from playing Barbies to suddenly talking about men, that guys that wanted to put their hands down your pants. And I honestly, I know it's like too much information, but I, was lost somewhere in the abyss in between because none of it seemed right to me, not right from a moral perspective, but just from a conceptual, I kept looking around thinking I'm crazy. Something's going on. I'm crazy. I'm in a parallel universe. Like something's, something's not connecting. And I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't have a, a issue with my sexual identification. Although some might think that I just wasn't prepared for the emotional maturity of having a sexual relationship with a guy. And I still, to this day, don't quite understand it in the high school setting, but it just felt very awkward and abnormal to me. I was in the same boat. Well, I've met a lot of women that were in the same boat. So so for me, alcohol became like, okay, well, if this is going on, I better, I better be a little out of reality here. And so, (laughs) I went into college, same gig. I mean, I'd meet guys and listen, I loved making out, making out for me was a sport. Kissing was a sport. I loved it, but, (laughs) but everything else was like, Whoa. And so, yeah, if if people could call me a tease, I loved making out, man. I did. That was my favorite thing in the world. But um, no, the other stuff, I would, I would pack that away and save it for another time. I used to think honestly when they said that save that for marriage, I was like, can we get rid of it? (laughs) Um, but you know, in the, in the long and short of things, I had a lot of kids, so I must've liked something about it. And I, I just, anyway, so the sex trafficking thing for me, um, I started Googling one night and I was reading that Atlanta was number one in the country for girls who had been, uh, trafficked sexually and they were like young girls and I just wrapped my brain around that and I tied it to my middle school years and my high school years and I couldn't understand I couldn't comprehend the concept of these girls that I was reading about um that were 12 years old who were when when was this this was 2015 14 or 15 okay I could not wrap my brain around the idea that somebody was trafficking girls who were between the ages of 11 and 17, with the average age being 12. And they were sleeping with grown men in their 40s, 50s, and 60s to the tune of 25 a night. So put the math in. And all I could think of, honestly, all I could think of was my poor little self. And I was like, unbelievable. And so I started taking deep dives into it to understand the validity of it. And then, of course, I had my attorney now from my business. And I started saying, are these stats real, are these statistics real? And I had a lot of time on my hands. I don't know why, but I did to really educate myself on the idea. And I learned a lot. I learned that it wasn't really the girls from taken, you know, the movie that was out at the time. And um, it was not that, that was not the scenario, but the scenario around it was just as jarring because it was runaways. It was girls who came from really sad upbringings and victims who didn't choose to live that way. But I started getting into the safe house environment and I was working with these young girls. And when I tell you the average age was 12, the average age was 12, 12 years old. And Mm -hmm. I worked with these girls and I worked for an organization called Wellspring, who to this day um, is one of the, I'm I'm proud to say that I worked for them. Um, And I had the opportunity to form my own nonprofit where I was going to create a band of women who had different skill sets. Because what I realized from working with these girls in the safe house environment was not all of them wanted to be beauty queens and actresses. Some of them wanted to be, you know, they wanted to do gardening. They wanted to work in construction. They wanted to uh, be a musician. And so I realized that the women that were coming into the safe houses would come in to sing songs with them and do needle point and do their hair And I listened to a lot of the young girls say, you know, this is BS, man. Why can't we, you know, go ride a tractor? I know that sounds crazy, but why can't we ride a tractor? Why can't we, you know, play basketball? Why can't we do things? And I'm I'm not saying that they were one way or another. I'm just saying there was a variety of interests that were still wanting to be fostered by these girls. And it was a prime opportunity to do that because they were, you know, 11, 12, 13. And they were in the safe house environment for a year on average. And so um, I wanted to bring women together who were landscape architects, farmers, people that worked with horses. Um, And we did that. I didn't do it through my organization. I formed a nonprofit, but at the time I was working for Wellspring, it would have been a conflict. So through Wellspring, we did, we brought, we brought the girls out to Serenby and they learned uh, horse husbandry. They learned, um, you know, gardening and, And it wasn't it wasn't me. It was it was people who were willing to come together to do that, to teach, to teach all different disciplines to people, to girls who were hungry, starving for it. Because the majority of the girls were there because nobody cared about them in their early ages. Wow. And
1: are you still active with all that?
0: No, I'm not. I actually when I um, when I started working for them. I did it so that I could learn how to run a nonprofit. And after uh, working for the nonprofit, um, I had the greatest respect, but I knew, <laughs> I knew from working for one that I was not cut out to run one. Oh. and, yeah. uh, it, it was, it was noble. I've kept my 501 C3 shell active because I want to do a charitable give back as I continue to grow, um, And I've had, you know, I've had, I was starting a clothing line back in February. And then I kind of got waylaid because of COVID. Um, But part of the clothing line was going to be a charitable give back. And I like that. So kind of, you know, like Tom's or like all the other people. Uh So give a pair of shoes, whatever. But but I haven't, you know, as with everything else, I don't do anything just a little bit. And with that, I figure when God's ready, he'll deliver it to me. And it's just not there yet.
1: It's not the time. No. Because it's not coming together with that. Like if, if you were to try, it would be forcing it. And yeah. you said it doesn't work when you force it.
0: Yeah, it doesn't. And it's, that's been the same with my business. I've had people approach me from the shark tank and, and, and QVC. And I've had people who want to invest and people who want to take me to the next level and blah, blah, blah. And um, in my gut and in my spirit, and I've had different, like I've had, years where I've been running, you know, three teams of 65 shows a year and, and been absolutely killing it. And, um, I really felt in my soul and in my heart that it was not right for me. And I've made changes and I've, uh, changed course, um, with, with, with great, um, difficulty, but I've done it because I knew that I was pushing too hard, too fast, too much, and it wasn't it wasn't bringing me joy
1: wow okay that makes sense wow to turn turn down some of those opportunities some people would jump into them just because
0: of the I don't want to say notoriety around it maybe yeah there's that there's notoriety there's financial gain there's all of that but um I think for me if I were to chase that I would lose authenticity and authenticity is very tricky to maintain. If you lose your authenticity, um, for me, not for everybody, but if I lost my authenticity of dealing one-on-one with the ladies that have become part of my universe, um, I don't think that the joy would be there. I think it would be more like a, I don't know. I think it would be more of a, ch- of a chore and I don't yeah. want to like that. So it would turn into a job yeah there you go thank you Wendy you're welcome (laughs) thank you that's what
1: it sounds like that's why I told my husband I'm like I can't work for you because I have to do um my the second win
0: that's where I need to be yeah exactly exactly and so yes I mean just like I mean your 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 podcast is aptly named second win because this for sure has been the second wind for me and it's it's without sounding too cliche it's it's taking my breath away for sure
1: oh I love that oh I love that we found each other tell me this do you have any secrets or routines or things that keep you I mean you're telling me you you wake up every day with a purpose
0: don't you get tired what do you you gotta get tired I do I I mean I'm tired like how do you get over there. I, well I love getting massages that's kind of a just I do I love massage so I get I get massages quite a bit um in fact I'm thinking about it now that I haven't had one in a few minutes a few days few weeks um and I do some self-care so I've had to learn I mean I read a lot I do a lot of reading um uh, I don't drink I, I gave up alcohol about a year or so ago because I felt like it was uh I felt like it was just, it had, it had had its space in my life and it just, it was, it was overstaying its welcome. And so I I got rid of that because I felt like I, as I got older, I just wasn't as sharp. Um, and I, and I just, Mm -hmm. I I felt like I needed to, I I needed to to work on all cylinders and I felt like alcohol and I was just a wine drinker, but just a wine drinker for me was, I don't know, it just, it, it just wasn't working for me anymore. And so I decided that we would part ways, And, um, uh, so I, I, I do think that that's given me a lot of hours back in my day. Um, and I honestly, I mean, the greatest joy I have is for my kids. I mean, it's truly what keeps me going. I have fabulous kids and I'm really blessed. I'm really, really blessed. I hope there's another partner person out there for me sometime in my life, but God will bring them to me when he's ready.
1: Wow. That's such a great attitude.
0: So self-care
1: is self-care. something that that re- yeah. rejuvenates you and keeps you positive and keeps you going. And knowing that there's a bigger plan and you can't force it. And if you didn't get to do what you thought you wanted to do, there's a reason behind it. And you're willing yeah. to surrender to that.
0: Now, in my 50s. <laughs> yeah. And that's now. what's so great about being in our 50s. Yeah.
1: Yeah. For anybody yeah. who's listening, who's not there yet,
0: yeah, if you, you're still kicking you do. and screaming, you get it. If you're still kicking and screaming in your 30s and 40s, even, which I was, um, and driving your bus and pushing your bus, you know, 50s allows you to kind of pause and just you're able to laugh at yourself, and that's really where I enjoy. I enjoy being able to laugh at myself and go, "Golly, you're a legend in your own mind." Sometimes, Kim, and <laughs> and you know, it's just it, it, it does things start to crystallize towards that other side of your life. Yeah. Yes. So
1: tell me what's next for you, Beautiful Chaos.
0: Tell me. Well, we have branched into, I say we, like, well, I guess it's me and God. Um, We have branched into um, the retail space. I've been doing a lot of stores. Uh, I have about 25 stores now that carry my line. And um, that's been fun. And that's been over the past year. And so I'm going to push for that. Facebook live has taken on a whole new life for its of its own. And, and it's been such a great blessing for me because I used to do just art shows. So now I do Facebook live every week on Thursdays at 6 PM. That's my plug. Yeah. Um, I, I was there last Thursday and it was, yeah, it was absolutely
1: amazing. I, your energy. Woof, oh, you over.
0: Thanks. Well, I, I love it. Um, I really do. I love it. And I pour myself into just making sure that everybody has a good time. Um, and so that's really the near term, long-term. I do hope to get in my clothing line launched. Um, I'd probably say it's at least a year out because I have to still uh, execute and respond to the new form of business, which is Facebook live because of COVID. Um, I'll mm-hmm. be getting out and doing art shows again next year, but um, I, I, I like to leave that big open space of possibility of the unknown, because usually God has a better plan than I do. And so uncanny stuff happens. It really does. I've had cruise ships offer me space to come out and do cruises across the country, the world. Um, I've had, I have the weirdest of weird offers and opportunities that crop up. So remaining open to all of them is really made it a lot of fun.
1: So, would that be your words, words of wisdom, remaining open? Yes. And allowing. Yeah.
0: Just allowing whatever to come into your world and, and pause and think about it and maybe ruminate and do a little bit of, you know, just searching to see if it's something that could work. Because um, some, let me tell you, I've done some really strange, strange events, not just odd, odd stuff that's worked. <laughs> and had a really good time doing it. And I have. I've been on a cruise ship doing shows. I've been I've been at equestrian events. I've I've done you know, you name it, I've done it. It's really weird. It's but it's it's weird because it's fun and it's beautiful and it's chaotic and and it it just it's it's always changing. And for me I love that. It's it's frenetic. It and, makes and your heart that. sing. Can we say that? It yeah, it does. <sighs> it does. It keeps Crazy. me young, even though I'm getting older. Only chronologically, Kim. Yeah, right, exactly, exactly.
1: And the, just, it, just compiling of yours just makes us that much better.
0: It does. Well, and I know <laughs> it sounds weird, but I know that you know. As as I'm in my own little ant pile here, I'm I'm pushing my sand and and I'm I'm creating fun, great stuff that you know will be my legacy, my journey, my my own personal chaos and it's fun to look at what I do day to day and go that's cool that's fun that's great you know and it just I try to build out each day so that if I look at my own current tapestry past tapestry that it's interesting and that if nobody else at least I can say you know that was fun job well done thank you you made us you made an imprint you stamped it I did something you know I, I want to be proud of it and I so far I can say I'm proud of it and that's That's a lot for me to be able to look at and say, you know what? I'm, I'm good. I'm really good. You know, I don't have regret. I don't, I've done a lot of crazy stuff that I do regret, but I don't have regrets over the past. That's important. I don't. don't. You don't allow
1: yourself to feel guilt for things that brought you to where you you were. Right back to your statement. Part of who I am. The opening statement of your journey. Yeah. Well, Kim, thank you so much for your time today. Oh, wow, what a well, story! Thank you. Wendy. Thank you. This is oh. very, very therapeutic for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's it's very empowering to hear, you know, that you just get these ideas, and when you run with it for the right reasons, boom, yeah, the mic drops and things happen, and and that's what I want women to hear and and know. And we're creating our own little community here, and. It's awesome. I'm really excited about it. And it's awesome. We'll be able to find you on our uh, private Facebook group, My Second Wind. And yeah. we'll have all the information for Beautiful Chaos and Kim herself in our
0: show notes. And yes, all kinds and of I'll cool be throwing, things. we'll throw out a discount for all your listeners.
1: Yeah, we'll figure out a cool deal when your episodes air, when your episodes air and get you out there sounds awesome because now that i have some of your beautiful jewelry and i'm not a jewelry person i'm excited to wear it it's so neat you guys you don't even you don't even know you don't even know you don't have to be a jewelry person to be able to wear this the swag and look put together and good so
0: um well there's something for everybody there is something for for everybody that's exactly it Yeah. I usually tell people if you like Taylor with a corporate twist or you want to channel your inner gypsy rock star, I got it. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Wendy. I really appreciate it. And thank you for sharing your second wind.
1: Thank you for listening today. I hope that something you heard made you smile, made you think, and made you feel. If these incredible stories empowered you, awakened you, or left you feeling inspired,